0: Marriage is a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it can also be difficult. Like when your spouse leaves the water running when they're doing the dishes, or leaves the cabinet door open again, or when they use the last of the toilet paper and leave the empty roll on there, as if a magical fairy is going to replace it. Marriage is really difficult when your spouse leaves the milk out or leaves their dirty socks in front of the laundry basket every single time. And let's not even talk about mouth-chewing noises. Yeah, marriage has its ups and downs. Sometimes the downs jump back up, and sometimes they stay down for a while. But even in the downs, we know there's hope. Jesus says to fix our eyes on Him, the perfecter of our faith, even when we need someone to fix my marriage. Jesus Christ is our model. Christ's followers are called to follow him. He's our model. He is the one we're looking to. He is one that we're to reflect in the culture today. So as a Christ follower, we're to reflect Jesus in every area of our life, including today, our relationships. Ephesians chapter 5 draws a picture that marriage is a symbol of Christ and his church. What that means is every principle in Scripture based about the topic of marriage is also one about our walk with Christ as just simply followers. Today, if you're single, this sermon's for you. If you're married, this sermon's for you. If you're, if you're of age to marry but not yet, this is for you. Everybody here can learn today because the topic of marriage is not just about uh, earthly uh, husband-wife. The topic of marriage is literally the picture of how you live out the Christian life. In Christ today, if you're a Christ follower, you're in a marriage union with him. Now, as Christians, we are called to have a biblical view on marriage and not a cultural view. Cultures change. Calvary is a church of 60 plus nations. Every culture has different dynamics on married life, so our goal today is not to tell you how you should be married as far as culturally sense but goes, but we should understand marriage from a biblical point of view as to what God has said to us about marriage. Ironically, the loudest two voices in the New Testament on the topic of marriage were never married. I'm going to say that again. The loudest two voices on the topic of marriage in the New Testament were never married, Jesus and Paul. Now, you might be saying, okay. Well, here's, here's why that matters. Here's why that matters. It matters because you have to decide if you prefer somebody's experience above the authority of the Word of God. And because today many of us get our marital advice off of Facebook and not out of God's book. I know, it's rainy outside. I'm going to say it again. You have to decide early if you're going to take your marital advice from, the author- or from someone's experience or from the authority of God's word because God's word is the strongest source of authority for all things in your life. Nobody else knows more about how you should live your life and what you should do outside of God's plan than the Word of God. God's Word has it for you. So let's think about this. Would you accept today that the marital covenant and the relationship of marriage is best found in God's Word? And would you prepare your heart to hear the Word of God today and to respond to God's Word in a way that transforms your entire life? Not just someone's experience, not just, well, that worked for them. You know, most of us look at people on the outside and go, man, they must have a good marriage. Well, why do you think that? Well they, they have a nice house. Well there's no correlation there. Well they 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 smile a lot. Not everybody smiles is happy. Not everybody smiles smiles from the inside. Well they they have a good marriage because they have money. Have you seen Hollywood? <laughs> have you seen what money often does to marriages? Well, they have a good marriage because their kids behave. How do you know that? Do you live with them? When we think about it, we've got to come back to the idea of what determines the authority on this topic of conversation. Is it the culture? Is it the soap operas? Is it the talk shows? Or is it the word of God? And I submit that God's word has everything you need to know about the topic of marriage. No matter what you're talking about, it's in God's word. Now, well, go go fast to Luke 5. Luke 5, here we go. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Let's go check this out. It says, on an occasion, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of the Gennesaret, or Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. He saw two boats by the lake, and the fishermen are back at the shore, and they're washing their fishing nets. Keep reading the text here. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land. Watch this close. And he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a what? For a what? Let down your nets for a what? A catch. Okay. Fishermen like to do what? Catch. All right. And Simon answered and said, master, we toiled all night. And took nothing. nothing. Jesus says, Cast your nets for what? For a catch. Simon's answer is not just sounds good to me. His answer back is, Hey, we've already done that and got nothing. But then he says this he says, But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. So they sent their partners in the other boat to come to help them. And they came and filled the both boats so that they began to uh, sink. They go from nothing to overflowing. And they're in the same body of water that they've been in fishing all night long. Now watch this. They've been casting their net this entire night. Jesus gets the boat and he goes, hey, put it down over here. They respond with a complaint, hey, this isn't gonna work in essence, but nevertheless, because you said, we'll do it, watch this. The blessing came when they obeyed the word of Jesus. They were in the same water. If you've ever been to the Galilee, it's not that big of a body of water. You can see across it at every point, any time of the day. Those fish were there, those were not new fish. They were just on their side of the boat. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Marty, how does this relate to marriage? Well, it's real simple. Maybe when your efforts finally leave you frustrated enough, you'll listen to God's word and start fishing on his side of the boat and not just on your side of the boat. That's how it applies. Today is a message that hopefully gets you to move which side of the boat you're fishing on to have a bountiful and fruitful marriage. Because when you trust the word of God, God's word always produces a fruit in your life because that's a promise from God's word. Every area of your life will improve and be fruitful when you obey the word of God. In fact, when you look at the story we just read to you in Luke 5, it was the hearing and responding that brought the blessing. When they heard and responded, hearing what you're getting today, today you're hearing the word of God, but will you respond? Or will you just sit there and listen, take this in? Now, the topic today is marriage. Let's talk about it. Pure research indicates that 80 plus percent get married for what purpose? Anybody want to guess? Love, you're afraid to guess. 80% plus get married for love. Right, everybody say love. love. So when you think about it, it's a good thought process because love is central to our life. In fact, if you look at the basic human needs of of freedom and love and intimacy and belonging and family and friendships and so much more, it seems that this love word is the axiom of all these things. But then it begs the question, so what's love got to do with it? I mean, what is love but a second hand? You guys know that song? We should go to an altar call right now. Well, let's talk about that because today's topic is about that. In fact, what's so beautiful about today's topic is it's not really just about a marriage conversation, but about a love conversation. And most of us are aware that marriage and love kind of go hand in hand. That's kind of the biblical and natural and understandable design. But if we don't understand what love is, then how can you have love in marriage? And most of us enter marriage from a very skewed view on love. And so today, let's talk about this. Love by nature is the eternal nature of God. That means that everything you need to know about love consists and exists in God. Everything is there. So, if I want to understand love, what must I do better? I must understand God because I can't understand, or can't have love unless I have God. That culture puts love in the category of self-fulfillment, self-expression. Culture says that love is something you can't control and that you can't uh, dictate who loves who. But none of that is biblically true. The Bible doesn't tell us that at all. The Bible puts us in the perspective that love is very much an intentional choice. It is not an irresponsible thing that happens to you one day. You don't fall in love. I don't want to fall anywhere. At my size, falling is dangerous for both me and whatever I fall upon. But we have this notion that love just happens out of nowhere and certainly circumstance affection attraction that can happen no doubt but love by nature is really much a very intentional decision you make that begins with God himself go to first john chapter 4 verse 7 through 9 look at this it says dear friends let us love one another for love comes from who does that mean all love Yeah, everything. Anything tied to the word love comes from who? God. Bible says that love comes from who? God. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is what? Love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent, now watch this. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through. How do we know that God loves us? Because God expressed a feeling? We know God loves us because God acted. God did something. When you read this text, nowhere in this conversation do we see that love is a feeling. We see that love is very much an intentional choice that God made. First thought out of this text, number one, love comes from God loving and being loved by God is the greatest love of all. Listen to me today. Singleness is not any better or worse than married life. And married folks are not better or worse than single folks because the greatest love is not a human love. The greatest love is a heavenly love. The greatest love is not me even for my wife. The greatest love is our love for God independently. And then in this life, we have an earthly love, yes, but it all begins with this right here. The greatest love I've ever known in my life is that he loves me from heaven. The greatest love you'll ever have is the Father's love for you. And you've got to get that because that's where love begins. Secondly, we've seen the sex that love is shown by, not by receiving but by giving. Right. Now, you've got to get that because many of us put love in the context of how someone else makes me feel about me. You know why we do that? Because our nature, our sin nature, you may not know this, our sin nature has all of us at some state of of narcissism in our own journey. We think that we're the most important thing in our life. And that's that's why we try to find someone that makes us feel good about us. Now think about that. So you want someone to love you so you feel good about you. Doesn't that mean you just love you more than anybody else? I can prove it to you that you love yourself above everybody else. When you look at a family photo, who you look for first? You look for you. And if it's a good picture of you, it's a good picture. No matter how anybody else looks, if you're looking great, we're framing that. I, I get a good photo once every seven years. I had my seventh year annual or seventh year photo come up a few months ago. I took a good picture for once in my seven-year time frame, and I was like, man, look at this. And my wife goes, Oh, my hair's off. Let's delete it. I'm like, oh, this is my one good photo for seven years. <laughs> she gets them all the time. I just get like one every seven. See, that's our nature, and we and we and we understand us, and we're always trying to find someone to make us feel good about us, but none of that lines up biblically. In fact, if you look at this, one thing that's clear in this text is that love is discovered by giving. Love is not about self fulfillment, but about serving others. That's what the Bible teaches us. Now, hear me real fast. I'm not I'm not promoting unhealthy, dysfunctional, abusive relationships. I very much believe in balance and all these things, certainly. But I am definitely pushing back on a culture that teaches the me marriage. The culture says, if you're not getting what you want, you better get out. It's all about you. And that's not the way God built marriage. Marriage is not about you. It's about him. And marriage, it has benefits for you. And it has blessing for you. And there's lots to be gained for you, no doubt. But it doesn't start with you. It starts with God. And so when you look at this, the culture promotes all these ideas that promote the self, and that does not line up biblically. In fact, marriage brings together all the emotions and actions together in one sweep. In fact, in married life, the best way to know is if you love is to measure what you do. And if you can't define what you do, then how can you say you love? Because biblically, love is defined by what? By doing something. This is how this is how we know God loves us. This is how we know. It's what, it's what the Bible says. This is how we know. How do we know? Because God sent His Son. He did an action that brought about our pathway to eternity. Now, when you look at this conversation, Scripture teaches us that emotions follow actions. That's counterculture, because culture teaches. Actions follow emotions. Culture teaches if I feel, I do. Culture teaches if my heart feels it, I step out and do it. Did you know that you can do a lot of things, not feel any of it? Let me just tell you, I I mean, this, this may disappoint you. I don't always feel like being at church. You ever had that? Appreciate that. One hand up. Thank you. Everybody else is like, don't, don't move, don't move. Whatever you do, don't move right now. He's looking. I don't always feel it, but my wife's like, honey, you got to go. It's Sunday. You got to be there. Get out of bed. You got to go to church. I'm like, I don't want to go to church today. No, you got to go to church. Today. You're the pastor. <laughs> you know, I don't always feel like worshiping with my hands up. Did you know that you can praise God and raise your hands and worship and not feel anything? Watch, watch this. You know you can do that. Come on, just real fast. Just try it. Just, it'll set you free. Are you see? And no one's playing, no one's singing. We're just going. Come on, it's just come on. Just thank God for all He. Just real fast. No, yeah, no, no emotion. Just come on. We're working on the promises of God's word. We're operating in truth right now, not feeling. Anybody else ever felt like, like not coming to the church and and you came anyway? Okay, that's fair. It's, it's life. We don't live by how we feel. Now, has anybody else ever, once you got to church, your feelings begin to change a little bit? Yes. There you go. So you acted, and that affected how you felt. Too many people in relationships let their feelings control everything. I don't feel love. Okay. Congratulations. Love them anyway. Did you know, watch this, it's going to get more close to the home right real fast, real fast, watch this. Did you know that you can actually hug your spouse and not really feel anything? Yep. I mean, you'll feel them when you hug them, but I mean, you know, you're not going to be, oh, I just can't wait to hug them right now. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that you can tell your spouse, I love you and not actually feel anything? You can. In fact, if you're by your spouse, just real fast, turn and tell me you love him. I love you. So he said, did you know that you can even kiss your spouse and not feel anything? And I could go on and on. Feelings are not what control love. Decisions do. And when you decide, love begins to grow. Because that's what the Bible teaches us. Now, our culture doesn't care about this because the culture makes you the center of your affection, makes you the center of your emotion, makes you the center of feeling, and that's not how it works. God is the center of all these things. Now, watch this. 1 John chapter uh, 4 tells us that God himself is love, and we know this by his actions. So here's how you know if you love somebody. Just define for yourself real fast, what have you done for them? What do you do for them? Now, don't put in that category the basic human things of existing. Like, for example, you can't say to your spouse, honey, I picked up my underwear today. That shows I love you. Now, that, that's what grown adults do, okay? That's just called maturity. I'm helping you're afraid to laugh at that because you're probably sitting by a husband that doesn't do that very well. But just think about that because love is always reflected by a what? An action. And I don't feel than act, I act than I feel. When you really break it down, there's a, lot, there's a lot of life that we don't feel like doing. We do it anyway. Now, in this thought process, the Bible shows us this picture of love. In fact, the Bible gives us four different words for love. We'll look at it. There's actually more than that. But there's four real fast. There's affection, which is storge. There's friendship, which is a phileo. There's erotic, which is eros. There's service love, which is agape. Love this all in the Scripture. It's very important. You know the difference of the meaning of the word love in the Bible, don't just take the word love in the Bible to mean the word love. It may mean something different than what we think love is. Because the Bible has different words for love in Scripture. And so people take that word love out of context and they use it to twist God's divine word. And you don't want to do that. That's a bad thing to do. Marriage brings together all these things into one conversation. It brings together the friendship, the the erotic, it brings together the service love. It brings together the affection. It brings it all together in one conversation because that's what God designed. And we also understand clearly that scripturally speaking, these things are limited to marriage. The the idea that, that anything can happen outside of marriage and be okay does not line up biblically. God has put certain things in marriage for purposes because of how he designed them to be, and we have to submit to God's plan. Now, in that thought process, I know that many people here would be quick to argue and defend the fact that, that marriage is between a man and a woman. We talk about that in church circles all the time. It's between a man and a woman. Right. And even though the governments of men have tried to redefine marriage, you can't redefine what God already defined. God has a clear definition of married life, and you can't change it. But I want to I I give you a thought today, and I want to push back on an idea. That while we would be quick to argue and defend that marriage is for man and a woman, we forget that marriage is actually made up of three, not two. Right. The Garden of Eden and the first marriage, there were three in the picture. The man, the woman, and God. And those three must remain intact. And I would argue it is inconsistent of us in the church, in the body of Christ, to discuss and debate and get aggressive and intense over man and woman marriage and take indifference to the fact that God is out of many marriages. It's easy to debate this and forget about that. Governing your marriage is not just your spouse, and your spouse, it's God Almighty. And when you take a hold of that truth, it will transform your life, because present at the first wedding was God Almighty, Adam and Eve, and they came together, and that's the picture of a true Christian marriage. A marriage where God is as central to everything going on, and I mean everything, as anything else in the conversation. God is the authority over my marriage. Now, let's talk about love. Let me give a a, a, a little chat about love real fast. I wish I had a basketball. Anybody got a basketball by chance? Oh, hey, thanks, Darnell. Appreciate that very much. Just had had a basketball. It's amazing how this works. I'm going to give you three things about love, and I'm going to talk about it real fast. First of all, biblical love. Consists of three layers God's love for you, God's love in you, and God's love through you. Don't lose that. God's love for you, God's love in you, and God's love through you. Now listen to this and listen close. I got a basketball on my hands, it bounces. But why does it bounce? Because of the outside or because of the inside? If I take out what's on the inside, does the ball still work? No, it hits the ground, doesn't come back up. It's still a basketball. It still looks like a basketball. It still feels like a basketball, but it doesn't work because the inside is out. Here's what you've got to know. The most important love in your life is God's love, and love begins with you and God, and that's why you have to understand God's love for you before you can ever love somebody else through your life. It starts with God's love for you. God's love for you is the basketball. By the way, I'm declaring there for the NBA draft next year. Michael Jordan 2.0, right here. Now... Many of us get all messy because we look at the outside way too much. And then we don't understand why we can't love somebody else. Let me help you today. You can never love somebody else. Do you know how much God loves you? We just read that in the scripture. When we realize God's love for me, that's where God deals with my sin. One of the great hindrances to relationship is our own sin into individual sin. What we separate from God. My own past, my own baggage, my own regret, my own guilt, my own shame. When I realize how much God loves me, then God's love for me, now God can do a work in me, God's love in me. That's when I begin to live a sanctified life, a different life, a life set apart, Him. I don't sin anymore, I don't I don't transgress anymore, because I'm living a life that honors God. And then God's love through me. Watch this. God's love for me. God's love in me. God's love through me. And now I can love you a whole lot better. You know why I can forgive you? It's because God has forgiven me. If I can't forgive you, that means God's forgiveness has not been made real to me yet. I've never accepted that fully and that's why I can't forgive you. Same with love. If I can't love you, it's because I have failed to realize how much God loves me because love begins with God because God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God because God is what? God is love. Love starts with God. And this is why you have to realize this, if you're single and you hear this message today, you won't be looking for love in all the wrong places because you'll know that God loves you and the greatest love you can ever know is God's love for you. Stop trying to find love everywhere that people say, go here, go here. Meet this person, meet that person. No, fall in love with Jesus. Line your love up with Jesus. Get connected to his love. And when you have his love, everything else starts working together. God's love for you. How much does God love you? Oh man, we could talk for the ages. Doesn't God love you just as you are? Doesn't God love you in your brokenness, in your weakness, in your sin, in your difficult state? Yes, that's what love does because true love only loves as deep as you're known. You can't love someone you don't know. And that's what makes the rub in married life so difficult because you're learning somebody. You're learning someone personality-wise, preferential-wise. But it all comes back to the fact that we lean back on God's love for us, how much God loves you. When you understand that, you can love your spouse a whole lot better because in that first category takes away all my guilt, all my shame. All the things that, that hinder me from loving my wife are found when I find out how much God loves me. And the more I know God loves me, the more I can love her through, uh, his love through me to her. Now, God's love in me, I live a different life. I live a sanctified life, a sacred life. God's love through me, I live a selfless life. Everybody here would probably agree that selfishness kills marriages. You know how we get selfishness? Go back to step one. We don't have God's love. When you have God's love deep in you, you don't need to be selfish because you know you're going to be taken care of. People who are always looking out for number one have never found out how much God wants to look out for you. And when you find out how much God loves you, number one begins to be him and not you. And then you can start loving other people through you. Many people are frustrated. Let me give an example of this. Let's just talk about unforgiveness in a married life real fast. There's zero space in marriage for unforgiveness. You know Why? Because God's forgiven you. Marriage should be the epicenter of restoration. You know why? Because God's restored you. Anybody here by chance, God restored you? Put your hand up high. Okay. That means you by nature restore every relationship in your life. You know what that does right there? It takes away those long, cold nights. Because you're quick to say, I'm sorry. You're quick to say, I shouldn't have done that. You're quick to acknowledge the pain you've caused somebody because you're trying to live a life that glorifies God. You see how this works? If, if, if we get the God love part right and then let God's love do a work in us, we can start loving other people a whole lot better. Take, take marital intimacy for, for a second, sex. You know, the world today says just have at it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible clearly establishes that sexuality is to be in a marital relationship between a man and a woman in a covenant for life. But many people come into sexuality with brokenness, great brokenness. What they've seen, what they've experienced, guilt, shame, pain, all those sinful pasts begin to haunt them. And now they can't love somebody else because of their own guilt and shame. Go back to God's love for you. If God's forgiven you, why carry guilt and shame? Walk in the authority of God's word. God, you said I'm free from that. God, you forgave me for that. I'm not, that won't hold me back anymore. And then God can do a work in me. I stop sinning. And now I can love you a whole lot better. Addictions kill marriages. You know why? Because we don't let God's love for us set in. We don't live a holy life. And then we can't love somebody else. You see how this works together? Where does it all start at? It starts with the air in a basketball. If we don't have any air, God's love, nothing else works in our life. But when I have his love, for me, his love in me, I can now finally love my wife a whole lot better. You know, the only married experts out there are people who are single. I was an expert and then I got married. And and here's my journey, honestly. The first two years, I was convinced if God would just fix her to meet more what I had in mind, it'd be a whole lot simpler. And then I realized that God had been trying to do work on me for 25 years. And it was never about her, it was about me. It was about God working in me to show me his love, to love in me, and love through me. And when I gave up on trying to fix somebody else and let God's spirit do work in me, life got a whole lot simpler. Because I realized that above all, I need to experience God's love every day. And as much as I want my wife to love me and she does wonderfully well, I can never feel love greater than God's love for me. Because he's the greatest love of all because he is love. And as much as I want to live a life that glorifies him, now I can honor her better and I can do things for her better because now his love is through me seamlessly. It all starts with God. So today, whether you're married, whether you're single, doesn't matter. God's love is critical for you right now. And God's love is what you need. You're going through a difficult time, God's love. Going through a stressful time, God's love. Going through a relationship fracture, God's love. Maybe you're lonely today, God's love. Maybe you feel like you're all by yourself, God's love. It all starts with that first layer there. God's love for you can be matched by nothing else in this life. Don't let the air out of the ball and then wonder why it don't work. Take any area of your marriage today that's broken, fractured, no matter what it might be. Trace it back to the central question. Are we both experiencing God's love for us in this area of our life? You fight a lot, money issues, sex issues, parenting issues, whatever the list is, Take them on a piece of paper and then come back over here. How do we both experience God's love for us, God's love in us, and God's love through us? Because God is love, and the best way to love is to know God best.